Hello and welcome to Say That, the podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host in the city of Chicago and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. I make whatever noises I need to to get ready for this podcast. That's <laughs> dedication is what that is. Also joining us, Jed Brewer. I celebrate Glenn's noises. I'm on record. That's that's true. A forthcoming album from the Bridgebox label, <laughs> The Noises of Glenn. <laughs> so joining us all the way from Rutgers, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Crash Media Church, Lee Younger. I feel like, as an audio medium, I don't know if this is a good thing, but when the allergies season hits, I'm a disaster. I have this like nose whistle that yeah. I just can't shut off. It's probably just a disaster. Yeah. But it does lower all of our tones about a half step, so it sounds like a, a really old-timey, really getting in there radio DJ voice. Yeah. yeah. But we're, we're suffering is the thing that brings you those rich tones. Pity us! That's right. <laughs> Well, we are also happy to report that we are back in the underground bunker. That's yes. right. We, right. Have, uh, we, have, we have seen the refugees off. They're back to their yes. homelands. Yes. Um, but we're, we're ready to move on. We're back yep. below ground where we feel comfortable. Yes. Yeah, I think uh, let's, get, uh, let's get to it. Let's, keep let's it really nice get and, into it, nice, nice and quick. Yep. Next, sure. Last week, we, we, we apologized. We did have this show with just two questions because the interview was scheduling error on my part. So maybe people got used to a nice brisk show and not a lot of, mm. yeah. not a lot of faffing about. Maybe we should stick to that efficiency. Sure. Yep. Absolutely. Let's do it. Let's okay. get right let's do down it. to it. I declare an emergency! <laughs> <laughs> that was building up for a while. And I respect that Glenn could have gotten that falling away effect by moving further from his mic. He actually stayed exactly where he was and did it with only his voice. That's good. That's impressive. I'm a pro. He's a craftsman. Especially, especially with it being the allergy season. Yeah, years of ventriloquist right. training payoff. That's right. Tell us of your emergency. Well, uh, you know, we were just talking about we had refugees, my, my sister and her two unbelievably adorable small children. We're staying with us, and we had an amazing time with them, and that's uh, you know all because they had the the old flooding down there in Texas. Sure. Well, you know we had what you call a natural disaster off of that. You know, people having uh, uh, their homes destroyed and uh, all of their possessions lost, and uh, people dying even right. in it. So we said to ourselves, we need to know. What does it mean, man? Huh. Sure. Well, Glenn, if I may, isn't that kind of built into the phrase natural disaster, as in just nature running its course and there, you know... The... Yeah, no. Um, that's heathen talk. That's, it, oh, that's, okay. that's, that's just wrong. Jed, how does that make anyone feel guilty? Oh, you're right. You're so right. we had to... We we had to figure we got to figure this out, man. Okay, so we've got to in, invent some guilt. Well, well we, first exists. we've got to consult the great minds. That's right. Okay. We we need sure. to find out like who will speak to us on this. Oh. Who who can explain like, in it? In a previous right? generation, people may have gone to Aristotle, right, or Socrates, or right, right, right. you know. Good. Yeah, just, you know, the great philosopher, a dozen Hume, go to the great philosophical mind of time. So we can't make hide and hair of it, but what do you think? Could right. I guess who our source might be? Sure. Just sure, you know, possibilities. Please. Please. Well, given we're trying to, you know, ascertain the cause of a natural disaster, right. then maybe a leading mind in meteorology. Is that no, a possibility? No, 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 no. That's or, just ridiculous. You haven't paid what, attention what about, at all. 
what about something somebody everybody in the in the world agrees is brilliant, like a, a Neil deGrasse Tyson, something. Perfect. Like that. Yeah, Perfect. no, that's not even not even close. I'm we t- tried to ask him, but he just went off on this weird forty minute rant about how things in Star Trek are wrong. Sure, right. that, yeah, that does happen. I mean, he was right, but it was like that's not like, what I we asked. Don't, we don't need that. Uh, you're just ruining things. It's now. called science fiction, Neil. That's we know. Right. Get over yourself. Okay. <laughs> and I'm still not okay with him and Pluto. That's on the record. Yeah. Sarah Glenn's still fighting that battle. It's a planet, and you know what? Get on your skateboard and... <laughs> that was a good save. You yeah. Know. <laughs> so, here's what I'm saying, okay? We had to find the, the greatest mind of our generation sure. to give us meaning to the suffering. I'm stumped. I can't think of who that would be. Kurt Cameron. What? <laughs> we went to the third lead from 80 sitcom Growing Pains. Wow. That's right. Uh, and I know what you're saying. Well, is he like a trained theologian at this point? No. No. So uh, he... <laughs> he could be. He's got the time, but he just didn't. Yeah, no. So he shared with uh, the internet... That's right. ...his uh, wise and learned explanation of what's going on here, and we should all be thankful for it. I uh, already am. He said that this horrible disaster that uh, crushed the lives of many people happened in order to teach us humility. Mm-hmm. Was that any specific us, or just kind of the culture at large? Or? Us. Okay. Us. Okay. Now, the Bible literally, and this isn't like one of those things you have to, like, here's what it says, but it literally says the rain falls on everybody. Right. So, yeah. here's what it is. Um, flood, because you're too prideful. That's what happened. Which is, and it didn't like wash away any great buildings or anything. It was pretty subtle, if that's the okay, case. Okay, so here's what it is, is what we need to do is, uh, as a public service for people out there. Okay. Yes. List off all of the horrible things that have happened to us. Uh-huh. And then we will ascertain okay. and name the, the reason why that would happen. It's kind of a, like a guilt key. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, it's like you can you can take this down, okay. and then if any of these things have happened to you, you can just match uh, it up with sure. the reason why it happened. Well, so, it's not, it sounds great to me, Glenn. Do you have an example to kick us off with? Well, like uh, one time I was in a car accident. Ooh, oh, that's awful. Was it a serious car accident? It was, you know, it was pretty bad. You know? Okay, okay. So, yeah. That, and the lesson like that was something about um, checking your turn signal or? no. No, no. I, I mean, I, I really don't know what would be the, the, the cause, you know. I have it. I can tell oh, you. Oh, okay. We've consulted. We actually have a wheel of sins. Yep. Okay. And we okay. spun it. Mm. And sloth! Wow, okay. Wow. Sloth. That kind of... Maybe oh, if he'd wow. been a little quicker making that turn, it wouldn't have happened. See, right. Matt no gets it. A little quicker, you know, okay. with the handling on your vehicle, maybe we wouldn't have a problem. Sloth, you've been guilted. You're welcome. Right, okay. Well, uh, does anybody else have uh, disasters that happened to them? Well, when I was when I was a kid, I, I this is I played the high school football and right. this is the South, and that's the right. law. Sure, and many concussions later, it was totally worth it. Is the main thing to know, right? Um, but I did. There was a guy who was like super way bigger than me. We were doing a, like a blocking drill, right? And he just totally broke my wrist, right? Just shattered. So there's got to be a lesson in there, like somewhere, right? Shall I spin the wheel? Please, of sin? Yeah, please, please spin do. The wheel. <laughs> is that is that the noise it makes? And. Uh, that's you've envied your neighbor's oxen. Ooh, wow. Gosh, well, that's rough. Didn't see it coming. 
That's uh, I did uh, grow up in East Tennessee. There were there were oxen about, so yeah, possible. That's, that's it. You you covered covered it. Your, your so I was like driving through. I was like, that's a, I don't have any oxen. That's pretty good oxen. That's yeah. right. Bam, Boom. broken wrist. Broken later. wrist. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. Maybe you'll think uh, twice about oxen envy next time, King. Well, yeah, yeah. Apparently now. You know, one time I went to a restaurant, ordered something that seemed pretty innocuous off the menu, ate it, went home later, felt really sick. Was kind of down and out for about twenty four hours after that meal, you know, kind of a food poisoning type. Deal. Sure, sure, sure. It was rough. Right. I, I, I felt really bad for me. Right. Yeah. Okay. Right. This time I'll spin the wheel. Of Please the wheel. do. The uh, b- before we go to the wheel, the obvious guess would be Lee's getting being punished for his gluttony. Right. Yeah. But that may not be it. That's why we need the wheel. Sp- spin the wheel. Oh, old school wheel. Tat tat tat. And the answer is malice. Oh, you committed the oh, sin wow, of yeah. malice. Learn to malice somebody. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. And, and Lee, I should note on that, I would say, man, I'm so sorry you got sick, except I'm not because you were being punished for your malice. Yeah, yeah, so right. you well, deserved it. How else would you know malice really is bad, bad if you didn't get food poisoning? Yeah. Well, I guess it's my time to, to confess. Yeah. yeah. Um, You're up. I have an unspoken Confession. Okay. Oh. Um. So Jed's confessing about porn. <laughs> Wait, is that the, how that works? Unfo- unspoken oh. sin prayer requests are. I didn't know that everyone was aware of that. Okay, so that we don't talk about that, I'll, I'll have a spoken confession. Yeah, then. okay. That will work in your Bible study or small group if you just do it that way. <laughs> okay, here's, here's, here's my spoken one. There's a package. I was super excited that it was coming. It was a thing I'd ordered off of Amazon. Right. And I tore into it really, really fast and semi-recklessly. And I got a very small paper cut okay. on my index finger. And, yeah. wow. you know, it kind of hurt, y'all. Maybe maybe this time, Matt, you spend Mine's the wheel, wheel of sin. <laughs> I'm going for a Price is Right. Yeah, I was, yeah, that's that's a, that was like a Plinko vibe. Avarice. Oh, oh avarice. wow. Avarice. Darn it. I don't know what it means, but it's on the wheel. So yes. try to do better. Be less avaricious? Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, less yeah, avar? Right, yeah. yeah, less avar. Like, yes, is that absolutely. like a, a spinoff of vigor? It's so avar could, about it? Could be, yeah. It yeah. feels like that would be yeah. true. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll, 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 we'll go around again. All sure, right. I think I, so. We got time. Uh, I uh, <laughs> had, uh, 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 well, we know uh, people listening to the podcast know that I had uh, hernia surgery. Oh, yeah. Uh, hernia problem. Uh, so, uh, uh, you know, I'm not really sure what at all sin would have to do with that. But, well, I think, uh, I think by Robert Schultz's order, it's Lee's turn to give to spin. Okay. Yeah. Well, here we go. All right, uh, here we go, and no whammies, no whammies, no whammies. We're all going Game Show Network. And arrogance. Wow. That fits. Arrogance, that'll hit you in the hernia every time. Yeah. Glenn was just going around talking about, well, all my insides are exactly where they should be. Must be pretty nice. That's right. Boom. Nobody ever gets out of bounds. Yep, you learned your lesson. That's good. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. Now, I I want I I thought I knew what this one meant. Right. So maybe we we can get some help here because I don't want to misdiagnose. Right. So when I was in college, mm. um, the car, very bad car. Yeah. Um, smoke coming out of it. Right. And I I decide you know I'm pretty close to where I am, and if I keep going, that'll like force air into it. So that's probably the right thing to right. do. Right. I get there, I open it up, and there's there's a reserve like your radiator that the coolant goes into. But most cars have like a plastic uh, reserve of like mm. what it holds, and I'm reaching towards that because it's, it's all distended. And there is a moment I think it'd probably be real dumb to touch that. It exploded anyway, and right. I got like second degree chemical burns up and down my arm. So 
I, I thought, and everyone from uh, my father to my friends to the doctor, um, we're pretty sure the lesson of that is uh, don't touch things on a hot engine. Mm. Sure. But maybe that was the wrong lesson. Yeah, definitely. So, I, Jed, if you could give us the, the spin of the wheel. Because I want to make sure you want to make sure we get it right. You don't want to misdiagnose a problem. Right, right. Sure, sure. Just terrible. Oh, wow. It's a, you, you landed on a special one. Oh. This is a King James sin. Oh. So uh, we oh. go to our judges now, and our judges say, Lying in wait for the blood of the innocent. Wow. Wow. That- yeah. yeah, that's pretty I th- bad. He, I thought that was like a harmless hobby. Yeah, yeah. no, it no, turns out just... that's why you got your burn. Oh, that's... well, I mean, I did do that a lot, and that's bad. <laughs> yeah, that's you should not do that, or you'll get burned, well, literally. I'm... Now I know. Yeah. How was I supposed to know? Yeah, we're. this is like some of the best spiritual advice that has ever happened. Yeah, no, we're, we're, we're sorting it out. We're, we're really yeah. getting there. We're, well, I suppose it's my turn. Yeah, I think so. Please. Well, you know, earlier in the year, um, I was, uh, and it kind of pertains to one of our questions tonight, I was, I was working too long hours, I, I wasn't getting enough rest, I, I wasn't eating well, you know, it's just, you know, things were a little, just out of balance, and, and I wound up getting a cold, right. um, you know, right. a little bit of a bad cold, and right. I mean, I, I thought that that, you know, probably had almost zero spiritual implications, but it's nature's way of letting me know, mm-hmm. you, you know, you're running things a little too hard, and, you know, you need, you need more rest, that's, you know, mm-hmm. your immune system, it, it gets fatigued, and you get sick, and that's right. it's normal life, but I have, I'm starting to think maybe that's not the message. No, it's never uh, just that an unpleasant thing happened. No, it's always a deep spiritual thing. It's it's always a sin. Okay, okay. Well, spin the wheel, fellas. Tell me why I got that cold. Here we go. Wow. Gambling. Wow. That's weird. Oh, wow. Ironic that we had the roulette wheel sound effect for that one, but <laughs> yeah, gambling. It's weird because Jed doesn't gamble. Yeah, yeah. that's. But uh, maybe somebody's punishment got crosswired with Jed. Yeah, I, you know, that's. Uh, we're, well, we're learning Glenn, a lot. Glenn likes to go to the track. Maybe Jed got Glenn's message. I'm not sure. <laughs> Funny how that works. I'm not sure. Maybe just consorting with me. Yeah. All right, consort. Lee. Your turn to share your your grievous grievous sins. Unburden yourself, Lee. Well, I uh, one time when I was in middle school, you know, I was uh, I was in a what I thought was a, a you know a, a good relationship with a nice gal. We were kind of you know hanging out. You're not, you're really dating at that point because you you know you're not driving anywhere and everything. And I thought it was going great. It's mostly exchanging slap bracelets at that. Yeah, age. it's it's that it's that kind of deal in the '90s. And uh, but the but uh, you know uh, eventually you know we're talking on the phone one day. She calls me up out of nowhere, breaks up with me. It was. Uh, it was the heartbreak of my life, and and I, you know, I thought some some people told me at the time it, it was a natural thing. This, you know, breakups happen to everybody, but but now after Kurt Cramen, I'm I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of you know just rethinking the whole thing. It could be something else, right? You want to spin the wheel, Glenn? Uh, uh yes. Uh, please uh, allow me to spin for the final time the wheel of sin. <laughs> Okay. Pop. All right. We've 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 analyzed the wheel of sin. It's a fairly lengthy answer. We okay. take a second. Okay. We're say, here's so bad what breakup, and here's the cause. The text on this slice of the wheel of sin is very small. Here's what actually causes hurricanes. Oh, ocean water evaporates caused by heat from the sun. 
the evaporating water forms a cloud of warm, moist air that moves upward as the warm, moist air rises. More air rushes in to replace it. It moves over water for thousands of miles, gaining strength, and then it hits a landmass on the other side of the world. And then you touch yourself. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what did it. Yeah. And that was for Jed. Really. That was for I all. I think Jed would love that. Yes, and, uh, I'll pay for it later. But just because I don't think he's going to move on quick enough, I'm going to declare emergency <laughs> off for <laughs> Glenn. Because <laughs> I wanted to be able to bask in that punchline. Wow, I, just I thought it was going to be consulting a medium or spiritualist. Or well, that's that's on the wheel. To be clear, <laughs> just well, didn't come up. If you if you like the wheel of sin home game, all you need is some construction paper, some. Push pins to make the joint and a washed up 80s sitcom star. That's right. <laughs> a little mean, probably, but uh, you know, we have our reasons. Maybe one of these days we're going to make the uh, the Wheel of Sin game show, but I think it's going to be great. Absolutely. Yes. I think we're shopping for a, uh, a horrifically checkered uh, suit jacket for Jed right now. <laughs> That's right. One of those tiny microphones. And Glenn's yeah. going to be the guy in the booth who does the voiceover. Come on right. down to That's be right. judged. That's right. <laughs> That's right. But for now, until we get the capital for that rolling along, we're going to continue to put out Bridgebox, and that's mm. that's for the things we actually do, helping people out the jailhouse on the street. Uh, Lee working with the youth down there. So every month, songs, sermons, Bible studies, and more based around a topic. We are still in September, where our topic is, how do I get started when starting over? A uh, good thing, both to have you, and if you work with, I don't know, youth group or college kids or any of that, that's, that's, we've heard some good feedback that this has been useful stuff for that. So you can go to missionusa.com slash bridgebox, sign up for that, only $8 a month, the easiest, funnest, and best way that people who like to show support what we do in our day jobs. All right. We're going to move on to our first question here. If you have this all the way to the end, I'll give you some ways to get in touch with this. First question comes in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox, and it says, How important is it for Christians to make time for fun stuff? I go to school and work full-time. I have a never-ending to-do list, and whenever I do something fun, like play video games with my friends or watch Netflix, I always feel guilty. How do I know when I've worked enough for the day, and how do I fit in time for fun and rest when I have so much work to do? It's a great question, and Jen, why don't you start us off? I'm really glad that you wrote in, and full disclosure, everyone on this podcast struggles with this. Yeah, we're bad at yeah. this. Yeah. So um, any any wisdom we have to share is wisdom we gained by screwing this up yeah. um, and having, having to figure out how to not screw it up. But let's start with this. Oftentimes when we've got uh, problems in our lives that we're struggling to make headway on, it can be easy to be unsure how much of this is a logistical problem, how much of this is an emotional problem, how much of this is has a spiritual element to it. So I'd like to start you off with a little bit of a thought experiment to work through as it pertains to this topic. So here's what I want you to do. Think of your situation. Now take someone that you really care about. That could be your best friend. That could be your little sister. That could be um, you know, your, your cousin. But someone that you really care about. And plug them in your mind into your situation. They've got you know, all the same responsibilities that you do. Now think through what kind of schedule would you want them to have. Right. What, what would they do? When, when would they say, okay, well, that's enough for a day. I'm going to punch the clock and, and have some fun. And I'll bet you don't have too much trouble 
thinking that through. I think you'd probably, you know, if it was about them, you'd say, look, B's are fine. We don't need to get A's and everything. And, you know, we can't, you know, do everything perfect all the time. We got to, you know, we got to enjoy life. It's a gift. So that's That's fine. So, you know, we're going to take this night off every single week and we're going to do this fun thing with friends and, you know, favorite video games coming out. So I'm going to, you know, schedule some time to play that and whatnot. I bet you wouldn't have any problem putting that together for someone that you loved and cared about. Now, Here's my question. Why doesn't that kind, gentle, measured approach to life apply to you? Right. Right. And I think what we may find there is that this is less of a scheduling problem and less of a logistical problem and more of a self-image problem. Mm -hmm. That you would, you may know how to uh, schedule in a kind, understanding way for people that you care about, but maybe we're choosing not to apply that to ourselves, yeah. that that may be the thing that we're, that we're really struggling with. And if it is, then I think we want to dig a bit deeper and ask, why is that? Is that, A, do we just think we don't deserve rest and relaxation and um, being built up? Because that's, that's actually a messed up idea. In truth, a lot of people, me included, struggle with that tendency to believe, mm-hmm. I, I don't really deserve to have that. But that's, that idea does not come from the Lord, and it's not scriptural, and we want to right. be clear on that. The other thing that often happens, and again, me included, is do you believe, yeah, but I can take it? You know, I wouldn't, right, I wouldn't yeah, want my little sister to have to live that way, but I'm, you know, I could just bow up. I can just right. get after it. Because here's the thing, you can't. Right. Not yeah. forever. Um, and neither can I. Nobody can do that forever. Um, Glenn has, has said before, and very rightly so, that it's one thing to make a sacrifice where we work super hard for a short season for a very specific goal. It's another to say, that's my lifestyle now. Right. right. No, nobody can do that forever. But I think um, we, we want to start by being clear that we probably know the how on this better than we think we do, because we would, we would have a sense of how to apply this to other people that we care mm. about. It's the why that we're often getting into trouble with. And if we know that, then we can dig a bit deeper and make some headway. That's a really fantastic place to start. And I'd like to go to, with you on this to look at, uh, I think it ties in, but it's another aspect of this. I think the person writing this question right, says a very sharp thing with a specific question of, how do I know when I've worked enough? And mm. how do I know when I've had enough fun? Yeah. To I think part of, as Jed's saying, living that out versus kind of thinking of rest, work, balance in the general is knowing when to actually throw those switches. So how do we look at something as seemingly minor but very helpful as that? Well, I mean, you you might think of it uh, just like a a car that you're driving. You you have to put gas in the tank for it to go forward. So you you have input and output in your life. You need a certain amount of rest in order to do a certain amount of work. The two go together. Uh, So... If you care about the work, then you care about the thing that makes the work go mm-hmm. the same way. If you don't have that, there's something wrong, as Jed is saying, with the way you've conceived of this thing. Uh, ultimately, I think for our Christian life, we all need to look at what output we need and then figuring out off of that what input do we start with. So, for example... If I if I know that I'm going to be helping out with a vacation Bible school program, I know that I need a lot of energy for that, so I need to take it maybe a little easier the week before so I have some reserves of energy. If I know I'm going to go and hang out with a family member that's kind of going to stress me out, I know that I need a little bit more patience and a little bit more 
of it kind of be more grounded. So I need to pray up and receive patience and get more grounded in my relationship with the Lord. So I'm not thrown off by this thing nearly as much. Mm. So if I think of it in those terms, uh, I'm, I'm, it's all one effort, resting, praying, having fun, whatever it is, it's all, it's all one thing. It's all being made to serve the Lord. So it's not one is good and one is bad Mm -hmm. at all. Uh, we just recently, this past week, we had a guys' movie night, and it was, uh, you know, the guys uh, from the ministry and some of the guys from the bridge were there, and we watched a movie, and we just hung out. We were, we had fun. We laughed together. We did a little bit of uh, kind of celebrating each other's successes. One of our guys uh, uh, got a promotion at the residential drug rehab where he's working, and another one of our guys is a sous chef at a fancy uh, restaurant downtown. Uh, way to go, George. We're all proud of you Woo-hoo! and Craig. You guys are amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was really just, that's what we needed. We needed to watch yeah. a silly movie and laugh and eat uh, food and sit and visit. Um, uh, but to kind of circle back to what Jed was saying as, as, as I kick it over to Lee, I think it's really about recognizing uh, that uh, God never said that work is holy. God said that rest was holy. Keep a Sabbath and don't do work on it because this is a holy day and you don't work on a holy day. But we have sort of flipped yeah. that upside down to say work yeah. is good. You're a good person if you're overworked. So you have a lot of, you're a very important, very, you have a lot of character. I get less that. sleep than anyone. That's right. I'm great. That's right. And that's actually the opposite of what the Bible says. Yes, as we pointed out many times on the show, God Loves a Working Man is a country song, not actually in the Bible. <laughs> That's right. And Lee, I think yeah. um, if you can expand on one point that Glenn made for us, I think it's a very important one of this is all part of one thing. There's, we've, I think everybody's experienced the idea of like studying for a test and around hour three of I'm just going to stare at this book, yeah. the retention gets a little low. So in that way, having fun is not only a good thing because it's a good thing, which the Bible says it is, but it's also good because it's helpful, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's only, I mean, there actually physically is only so much you can do as far as the thinking that's involved uh, in in any kind of work that you're doing. There's only so much you can do physically. There's only so much your body can handle and that kind of stuff. You can't actually just push yourself around the clock continuously. We have this, uh, I think Glenn's exactly right, that we've, we've raised you know, constant work to this level of holiness to where like, if I, if, you know, if, if I take some time and I'm loafing or taking a nap or something like that, if somebody busts me in that, then, then I would feel, you know, I feel bad. Like, oh, you know, I mean, I don't know how this happened. I don't know how you caught me, you know, taking a nap in the middle of a work day or something like that. And there's actually nothing wrong with that. That There are plenty of studies that show that, Sometimes the best creative work that you can do, sometimes the best um, even physical work will come in, you know, in, in kind of bursts around times of rest. So you can't just kind of push through consistently for hour after hour after hour and get the best out of your own system. And this is the thing is that, that and I think, I think both of these guys are exactly right in saying that our big problem here is really what do other people think of me? You know, that's, that's really kind of the heartbeat of my problem is I want people to look at me and think that I'm the hardest working person. You know, I'll sleep when I'm dead. You know, that's kind of the, the you, hear, you hear stuff like that. 
And it's like, no, like loafing isn't just fun. It's actually good for your work. It's actually good for the quality of your work. It's good for your creativity, um, fun and balance and hanging out with friends and relaxing and sleep. All of that stuff is good for your thinking. It's, it's a, it's, you are a system. And so it's, you know, like good rest is good for your diet, which is good for your exercise, which is good for your thinking, which is good for your work. All of that stuff is all connected together as Matt is saying. And by the way, uh, it's important for us to recognize this. Jesus was that way. I mean, he rested. He, he took time off and chilled. Um, there were times when he was away from his disciples and he sent them to do their thing and he went off and did his thing for a few days at a time. He had people that they didn't even know at the end of the thing were his people that he hung out with when they weren't around. He was called by his critics a drunkard and a yeah. partier. And you don't get called stuff like that unless somebody's seen you get down in the middle of the dance floor at a party somewhere. Yep. I mean, Jesus knew how to have fun. Jesus said, I didn't, you know, he said, I came to give you a, an abundant life, a full measured life. He wants you to have fun. He wants you to have rest. He wants you to have stop. There's a place, there's a Psalm that says that, that the Lord grants sleep to those he loves. I mean, all of these things are good for you. They're not just good for your friendships, your relationships, and all that kind of stuff, but it's all of this stuff begets everything else, your sleep, your diet, your exercise, and your work. It's all benefited by you having fun, by you having friends, by you having a balanced approach to your life, because Jesus wants you to have actually a full life, just like the one he did. Really fantastic point on that. And one thing I'll close this out with is another strategy you can incorporate with the strategies these guys are giving you is to look at the outcomes you want out of something. So it's just something we talk about a lot uh, here at the bridge, which, which is to say, if there's a week where you get your schoolwork done to a satisfactory level, and again, that should satisfactory probably needs to involve some combination of you and your advisors and God talking, because um, believe it or not, and uh, Trying to be shocked, friends. Uh, sometimes a C plus is satisfactory. Yeah. Yep, that's kind of how grades work. And your job stuff is done to the level that your boss is happy, and you're going to keep your job and be in good standing there. Some weeks there might be a fair amount of time for loafing built into all that. One of the right. one of the challenges when I took right. the, the job I have now working for Glenn and Jed is that I, for most of us up here in Chicago, we set our own schedule. Mm-hmm. There are meetings. There's obviously the bridge on Tuesday. You know, that's our whole day. But a lot of stuff is kind of this. These three things have to be done by the end of the day, and these five things have to be done by the end of the week, and you have to have this turned in by the end of the month. So sometimes that equals sixteen hour workday, which is not great. Um, sometimes that's like four hours of actual sitting in front of the computer or on the phone work. Mm -hmm. There's other stuff going on. And I, when I first took the job, I had a certain amount of struggle with the fact that the 16 hour days felt super hardcore. Right. And they felt like I'm doing a lot for the ministry. I'm doing a lot for the kingdom. And it's all going down. And then I had one of those days where I worked for like, I don't know if I, I should probably, I feel bad. Right. Should I feel bad? Cause (laughs) everybody's happy. And I had more time to goof off. So and it, it averages out over the two yeah, days. Yeah, A, it so. averages out, but B, also, yeah, you're right. It's like, and it averages out, and the bosses are happy, and everything got done, and All I right. got more time to goof off. This, this should feel like a win, but I think right. a lot of that comes down to these, these kind of mental uh, ch- uh, changes these guys are talking about. And if you can uh, start to onboard those a little bit, it's re- you're really going to see some results maybe quicker than you think you would. We're going to move on to our second question here. It comes in anonymously, and it says... 
I had a difficult breakup last month, and I'm still not over the hurt it caused me. A new guy at church has started pursuing me, which is flattering. I'm partly interested, but also scared to not be ready. I don't want to treat the man currently pursuing me like a rebound, since I'm not over the last one yet, but I also don't want to miss out on getting to know this new guy. I'm mostly scared to get rejected like I was the last time. How do I move on without hurting others along the way? A very good question, a lot going on there, and Glenn, why don't you start us off? Well, yeah, I think, really, there's... uh, There's... uh, We mean a lot of different things by, you know, getting over Mm -hmm. the last relationship. One way of of looking at that is I I need to process uh, what about that relationship did I not like that I want to not have happen again. That's right. Uh, uh, Part of what I want to process in getting over the last relationship is how did I participate in that relationship and, and as such, what do I want to change about me? Not just the relationship, but about me particularly. But I think... there's a tendency to think in terms of getting over relationships means I have to have a certain set amount of time and I have to uh, find a way to, in in a way, just process emotions and just, you know, deal with things and have... It's a formula for every month in the relationship. I have to do seven hours of processing. Yeah, all that. I don't don't really subscribe to that. You're, you know, I I think... uh, you're going to feel icky about it every time you think about it for, you know, probably a couple of years or something. That's, that's what breakups are. They kind of, they kind of suck. So I don't, I don't think we need to get into a mindset of let me take, you know, some long exorbitant period of time and that that's necessarily good. You could just wallow and wander around in sorrow and not do anything. I think if it's a bad breakup, and it was a month ago, as you say, that's, that is pretty recent. That is a thing. I think, you know, if it was a long relationship and there's a lot to go through there, yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. But I think it is worth looking at um, uh, if there is a, a new guy there that's a lovely guy and, and uh, there's a real potential for a relationship there. Uh, it doesn't hurt to put all that into sort of an accelerated thing of, of doing the work to kind of work through it a little faster to get in a position to get to know this new guy. Uh, But I think all that is to say it's perfectly okay in any of these kind of situations to to tell the guy that's interested in you, I need more time. That's acceptable. It's allowable. It's permissible. I think you have to give yourself permission to say, okay, I can say that. And I don't, this won't be the last guy that's interested in me. And that's what exactly what the devil's telling you right now. Let's, let's just get rid of that right here, right now. Um, It's also okay to say, I am definitely, definitely, definitely not ready to start dating right now, but I would really like to get to know you because I think you're awesome. I I think that's, I'm just not ready. And I want to be honest about that. And if you aren't, if you want to just move on and find someone who is ready, I think that's, perfectly lovely and acceptable and i wouldn't hold it against you but uh given that i'm not ready i i i can't really dive in but i would like to get to know one another better and uh, who knows maybe i'll get over this a little quicker and and maybe we'll hit it off but that's a level of communication i don't see out of young people Amen. these days that's right they're not saying out loud <laughs> i am attracted to you yeah i am also not ready I'd like for you to wait, but I can't ask you to wait, and you probably shouldn't wait, but I would like to get to know you in a way that's not dating, 
but it's also not some weird courting thing. It's just two people having <laughs> ice cream and talking about things and getting to know one another. And if it goes somewhere great, and if it doesn't, that's okay too. And we can all give ourselves permission to not be uptight about it. Oh, the dream of a church full of people who aren't uptight about things. Yes. And uh, I've, uh, there's a lot of really good stuff from Glenn and Lee. I'd love for you to pick us up there, pick on that communication point, because you do the, the most direct work with young folks on here. And um, I have a strong feeling from the, the noises you were making that you totally agree with, Glenn. But how do we, how do we, how do we correct the lack of communication on a one-on-one basis? Yeah, the, the surprising number of times that I have said to a person, that thing you just told me, Say that to them. Yes, is out of command, um, uh, and and we're in that situation right now. We want to say that we're, we're sorry you went through a tough uh-huh. breakup. That breakups yeah. suck, man, yeah. and it makes you feel all kinds of things, and it makes you feel, you know, sometimes you just feel overwhelmed by stuff that you don't even, you know, you don't even know why. You just get triggered into something, and you feel like crap, and and so we're sorry. That sucks, and um, and we. Everybody on this show knows how that feels. We don't like it, and nobody likes it, and so we're, we're sorry that you're there. But, um, but I can guarantee you that this situation will not be made worse by saying exactly the words you said to us in the question to this dude. I, th- there's almost every situation, and this is for folks who are listening to the show right now who are not in a breakup, maybe new dating type situation. This, this applies to... Uh, you know, a, a conflict at work, somebody in your family, almost every kind of relationship situation um, where there's some kind of weirdness and some question can be helped by you clearly saying, I'd, I, I'm a little confused by where we are right now, but I'd like to say it out loud. And I'd love for us to kind of get a chance to clearly communicate what our expectations are and where we are. Is that, can we have that conversation? A, you know, when you're walking through the mall and there's the map and there's the red dot, you are here. This is where I am. I don't know what any of that means, but exactly as Glenn said, these are the things that I think about you. And I think one of the problems is, one of the reasons that we have trouble doing that is that we, almost every person, especially young, younger folks, when they enter into any kind of dating thing or any kind of flirtation or anything, there's a voice in their head which says, this is the person you're going to marry or you are a failure at life. Mm-hmm. That, ah. that conversation happens. And yeah. then they think, oh, gosh. And now we're on the clock to make this thing amazing because yeah. this is either the person I'm going to marry or I suck at all things in life. And here's the deal is if you could answer that voice with the following... I think we could change a lot of this. When that voice comes in and says, this is the person you're going to marry, or you suck at life, you could answer that voice with, you know what? Actually, dating is about uh, learning stuff about me, learning stuff about the kind of person I want to be with, um, enjoying the the butterfly feelings of attractedness and, and laughing with people and stuff like that, and, you know, maybe risking some emotional stuff. But that's what dating is about. It's about fun, enjoyment, there's some passion involved, there's a lot of learning, and there's some risk. And if we could see it that way, then we could even look back at the old relationship that broke up and say, what did I learn last time? Exactly as Glenn yeah. said. How can I apply this to the, the new thing? This new thing is a learning thing. As Glenn said, maybe you're not ready for it. Totally cool. But if you are into dude, then, then let's look at it from the angle of, I wonder what I could learn in this situation. And what fun could I have? What 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 is there to enjoy? 
And that way, if we could reduce some of this pressure of this is the person I'm going to marry or else I suck at everything and I'm a, a giant failure at life. If we could reduce that joy and get a better handle on what dating is actually for, then I think we, I th- uh, and, and have that open and honest conversation, then I think we're going to see this whole thing a lot differently. Amen. Yeah. A really, really good point. And Jed, I think there's one more aspect of this I'd like for us to look at, and that is um, the idea of the rebound. Yes. <clears throat> because the person mentioned in the, in the, the uh, question, I don't want to treat this person like a rebound, but there's no, I think, again, with a lot of communication, a lot of dating, there may be a lack of under, general understanding of what a rebound is. Sure. Uh, when it is bad and why it is bad. Yeah. And I wonder if we don't, if exactly what these guys are talking about is we're not over um, simplifying things by saying, I still have feelings, that would be a rebound, that is bad. Yeah, yeah. Well, so it's, it's a, a great question. Let's look at an example of dating from a purely secular standpoint for a second. So I think that'll make the analysis a little bit easier. If you've ever... Uh, consumed any popular media that has to do with dating, you've heard that rebound relationships are bad. And that often is true. It's, it's not always true, but it often is true. But it's really, really worth asking, why is that? What What is it about a rebound relationship that is bad? Because if we can answer that, then we can have a much better sense of what we're dealing with. So here is the, the worst case scenario. And again, we're going to look at it from a secular standpoint for a second of, of what a rebound relationship looks like and what it does. So... John and Susie break up, and uh, Susie is just, she feels terrible, she feels awful, she, she feels, it's just, the, the world is crashing down. As, to be clear, everybody feels that way when they go through a breakup. Um, and then uh, Susie meets Tim, and um, Tim's kind of into her, and it's really nice and distracting to have Tim be into her, that, that feels way, way better than the the world is falling down around me sensation that I have over things not working out with John. And so I go on a few dates with Tim, and uh, I really like him being into me. I'm not sure that I'm ex- actually into him all that much, but I really like him being into me. That's really good. You know what? If we were to sleep together, I might start feeling like I'm into him. Um, and so we'll just do that. So now we have a physical relationship going. And you know what? I, I do feel like I'm, I'm into him. And I feel that way chiefly because when you sleep with people, it tends to promote feelings of intimacy, whether you actually like that person or know yeah. that person or not. So he's really into me. And I've kind of created an environment where it kind of sort of feels like we're into each other and I'm into him. I'm not sure I really know him or like him, but he's into me and this is a pleasant sensation as opposed to the really awful sensations I was right. feeling. There's a little bit of a vengeance in there. There's too. a little bit of a vengeance. Maybe, yeah. uh, you know, maybe I'm letting John know that, you know, I got a new guy, you know, yeah. we're doing great. Yeah. We're doing so good. Maybe there's like a kind of a naughty photo of me and Tim that yeah. somehow who knows how, but it gets, it winds up on John's phone. What yeah. are the odds? Then Tim says, you know what? We should move in together. That would be, that would be, let's take things to the next level. And I go, you know what? This is all going so swimmingly. That's great. And six weeks later, I am now living and in a very in-deep relationship with a person that I don't really know, and I don't really like, and I don't really care about. Right. Okay. Well, that is bad. That's um, bad. Le- leaving morality completely aside for a second. Uh, leave, just ignore that for a second. It's bad because that's not good for Susie. Susie right. deserves to be in a relationship with someone she knows. Or with Tim. someone Or Tim. They both deserve to be in relationships with people they know, that they like, that like them back that they have thought about. They also deserve to be in relationships, both of them, with people who are not using this relationship as a way of hiding 
from other areas right. of, of their lives. Okay. That's, that's kind of the worst case scenario of what a rebound relationship would be. And when you consume particularly secular popular media and they talk about being on the rebound, that's what they have in mind. Yeah. That's the overall dynamic that they're describing. Now, with that in mind, we might ask, does any of that apply to the situation that you're looking at? Right. Uh, because I think what you might find is really not. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's an element that, yeah, you were recently in a relationship and you do feel super crappy because everybody feels that way when they're coming out of a, of a relationship, particularly when it's kind of a bad breakup. And yeah, you haven't sorted out every lesson and every feeling related to that. And yes, it is flattering to be pursued. And that that is a more pleasant feeling than the sense of crushing rejection. But that's actually where the similarities stop. Um, and I think that looking at this and saying this has to be a rebound relationship in the negative sense of that term, just cause you know, I'm semi recently coming out of a breakup. I don't think that's fair to you. I don't think that's fair to this dude. And I don't think it's fair to the prospects for your relationship. It may be the case that this relationship is a bad idea, but I think assuming that because, you know, let's say it this way. We all have that one friend Who's going to come and say, are you sure this isn't just you being on the rebound? Right. We all have that one friend that's going to You guys only broke up three years ago. Are you sure you're not rebounding? Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) The the fact that Karen, we know, is going to ask us that, that is not a good reason to not pursue this relationship. To be clear, Karen is going to ask you that. She's going to be uncool about it. Bless her heart. She means well. She's trying to help. She she has no idea what she's talking about. And the fact that she's not dating anyone has nothing to do with that. No. Why would you even that Glenn right but while we're defining terms here's one more that I'd really encourage you to look at I hear a lot of people talk about you know I'm just not ready for dating I'm not ready to be in a relationship that's fine the thing I want you to really think and pray about and talk to another human being about preferably someone who is in a good marriage that you look up to what would it mean for you to be ready right and I really want you to think about that. It's one thing to say, I broke up with my fiance two days ago. I cannot think about anything related to relationships right now. I am not ready to do that. That's yep. fine. That makes yep. total That's sense. Fine. Yep. It's another to say, I had a boyfriend five years ago. Things didn't work out. That super duper sucked. I've basically just assumed I'm not ready to be in a relationship ever since. Yeah. That's a different situation. You owe it to yourself to be specific about how will I know I am ready? What will be the terms and conditions where I can declare my readiness has now reached um, an actionable point? And and let me add this as a stipulation because you need to decide this for yourself. It should not be based purely on your emotions. Those should be a factor, yes, but I think if it's based purely on your emotions, you are unlikely to reach a point where you decide you are ready for dating again, or if you do, it will take way, way longer than it needs to. I think that that much better metrics would say, have I talked with a pastor about the lessons that I needed to learn out of this last relationship? Have I prayed through those lessons? Have I talked with a mentor? Have I talked with a trusted friend? You know, am I at a place where I have more days where I'm able to be cool about it than days where I'm just crushed by it? And if we can get to a place like that, I'm probably ready to begin thinking about new relationships. Again, you decide for you, but I think there need to be some things that are not purely emotional in there as you make that decision. It's a really great point. It goes back to where Glenn started us off with um, what it is to come out of the fog of a breakup. The the emotions are going to be the last thing to normalize on that. And as we talk about a lot on the show, um, emotions kind of follow action in a lot of stuff. If you... Mm. um, 
out of fear of rejection, which friend, as, as the people writing the show so often do, you have tattled on yourself in your own question. Um, if you're letting that major emotional driver um, be the, as Jed is saying, you know, the sole word in this, that's going to stick where it is forever. Yeah. If you sit down and have, if you're, as these guys are saying, clear with dude and say, look, I've got a relationship, this whole thing, but I think you're neato. So well, we're not going to call it a date, but let's have coffee. All of a sudden, you might, you know, hearty eyes and, you know, butterflies and the emotions Ooh. on that can turn pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. But you have to, in a lot of ways, be, as these guys are saying, open to that whole thing happening. And I would add one thing to what Jed's saying here um, about the, the rebound relationship. He's actually absolutely right about one of the reasons that the rebound relationship has the reputation it does, and it's the accurate one, as Jed's saying, is because it is a way to cover up that feeling of rejection. Yep. It is, well, person A rejected me, but person B didn't reject me. And as Jed's saying, that's what I to focus on. If you're not making, this is a, a thing that, uh, a fr- mystery phrase that Glenn came up with a long time ago that we've all gotten a lot of good use out of, and I just made Glenn feel uncomfortable and um, really stopped a good rant by giving him credit for it. So that was an aggressive giving of credit. Um, it is the opposite of a bad idea is another bad idea. And a lot of times the opposite of two opposite actions like that can come from the same uh, bad root of that. I feel rejected. I will go sleep with the first person who looks at me. So I don't feel rejected versus I feel rejected. Therefore, I will build a bunker and never leave it so that I don't have to be rejected again. That's that's actually more letting you're living a rebound life at that point. Yes. You yes. are absolutely living all your decisions based on this one bad thing that happened, which is no more healthy. It doesn't have the same um, consequences, but it's no more emotionally or spiritually healthy than going out on a tear. So I'm going to look for some some good wisdom and some good middle path stuff on that. I think we guess where we're going. We're going to move on to our final question here. It came in anonymously and it says, so I've heard it said, it might have been mentioned in a sermon, that the devil always uses the same tactics to take us out. What are those tactics, and how do we recognize when they are being used against us? And Lee, why don't you start us off? I uh, appreciate the question. And this is, I mean, I, I guess I, I tend to think this. This is something that I, I've, I've read stuff like this before, and, and, and in doing a lot of counseling with folks and a lot of meeting with people and kind of walking them through a lot of discipleship and stuff like that, you tend to see some patterns. You do. And I think that one of the reasons, for, in my experience anyway, is that the enemy is not, uh, he's not that creative. He's, he's more destructive than anything else. He's not a, he's not a creator. He's kind of an obstructionist. And, and so what I mean by this is what you can do is kind of look at what does the Lord want from you in your life? Um, the, the, the Lord actually has something that he made you for something for you to do, something amazing that he, in saving you, gave you like power for, and he's kind of like writing this story, making, getting you to a place where you can do something amazing in the kingdom in a way that nobody else can do it. And so when you, when you see that that's kind of the Lord's goal with your life, then you see that what the enemy does is he wants to take you out. His, and, and what you see for a lot of folks is that they wind up... W- in a you know several different ways, getting discouraged, getting isolated, being alone, feeling like the only person in the world that's like them, and all this kind of stuff, and then they wind up quitting the thing, and that's where a lot of this leads because the Lord has something for you to do, and so what the enemy wants to do is for you to not do that thing, 
um, you know, however you feel about yourself, if you feel like you are the most amazing person in the history of the world and nobody sees it and nobody appreciates you. And so it, it feels so good to just hate everybody else and judge everybody else on that. And that gets you isolated. And then you hate everybody that you would be working with. And so you quit the thing. Well, that's all the same for him. Either you are so awful that you are so discouraged and despondent that you are isolated and alone or you quit, or you are so awesome and nobody else gets it. And so you hate everybody else and judge everybody else and you wind up isolated, alone, and you quit. And all that to say, I think for me, the, you know, whatever the enemy's tactics are, the thing that I'm always looking for is, what is Jesus calling me into? In what ways is Jesus calling me to follow him? That's what I want to do. And that's where the enemy is going to be most, he's going to be attacking that the most, because there's something Jesus has for me to do, something that's going to give me the most joy, the something that's going to give me the most peace, the most uh, healthy relationships, uh, you know, uh, you know, just a sense of being a part of something like I can't find anywhere else, because this is what God has for my life. But if... If he can take me out, if he can get me convinced that I'm alone, that I suck, that my past is too bad, or whatever the thing is, he always wants me to quit. And so if I find out what the Lord has for me, and I'm doing that thing, even if I do feel discouraged, even if I don't know what I'm going to do, even if I am upset with somebody else, if I'm continuing to figure out what it means to follow the Lord, then I think I'm getting in front of that attack, if that makes sense. Yeah, it absolutely does. I think it's a really good place to start us off. And Glenn, I'd love to get you to pick us up there. I think there's another aspect of this. The, we, there are some genres of attacks that yeah. tend to work and yeah. uh, are widely used. And I think Lee, Lee gave us some really good ones there. But there's also another aspect of the devil uses the same tactics, which is the devil will tend to use the same tactics against you, right? given that they keep working. That's right. Yeah. So how do we identify what's working on us and build up some defenses there? Well, I, th- I, I think it's, it, 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 well, I guess per, per that question, if it, first of all, if it worked once, get ready, because here it comes again. Yep. And that's going to keep happening until it, until it doesn't. Um, ultimately, uh, I think Lee's all over it in the sense that, uh, that this is about what does God want you to be doing if you know what that is, what the devil wants is not that. Yeah, right. I, I think there's a there's a sense that, you know, when we look at what God requires of us, it's a pretty, um, uh, it, it's it's a kaleidoscopic thing. You know, God wants us to have patience on one day. Yep. The next day, He's calling for me to be bold and courageous. On another day, He's calling me to be forgiving with someone. On another day, he's calling me to uh, give money to someone who's poor. And it, it kind of changes. And as I follow him and he takes me down all these different roads, uh, different things are required of me. And I have to depend on him for all this this multifaceted area. And I'm weak in a lot of these areas, like super, super weak. So I have to go to the Lord and not only get stuff from him, but get rid of stuff that's in the way, you know, and all that. So it's a, it's it's complicated and cool and interesting and all that. So we tend to think that what the devil wants from us is similarly complicated. Like he's trying to get us on lust, and then he wants to get us all wound up on greed, and then he wants to... 
he does he just not what God wants. That's yeah, all he wants. Right, right, right. Any, that anything that's simple. that. Anything else. It does not matter. If God says, go help that old lady cross the street, the devil will tell you, stay home and read your Bible. That's the most Christian thing you can do. <laughs> yeah. It's just not whatever God wants you to do. There, there are lots and lots of people in the church. They're a giant pain in the behind, and everybody knows it, but they can point to some Bible verse that says that's what they're supposed to be doing. And that's it. They're, they're, they, they have utterly been taken off of that thing. Uh, so I think it's about, for all of us, is recognizing uh, what areas tend to be that avenue where he comes down. And for a lot of us, for example, that might be politics stuff. Mm-hmm. There, you might hold a political position that is drifting further and further and further from the heart of the gospel without really realizing that, without really seeing it. Uh, you may have a political position that's fairly in line with your politics, but it's that other side and how big a jerks they are that gets you so wound up in rage all the time. That that's, hate them so you, much. You just hate them so much. So, uh, you know, politics can can be that. I think uh, our our self-image, I think, is, mm. a, is a big uh, a common thing on that, of, of getting a focus onto ourselves and uh, looking at in those ways. But... Uh, we have to recognize, I want you to look at where you're pushing forward and see and looking for the attack to be coming in that area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because that's it. There's lots of people who aren't pushing forward and they talk about the devil's trying to, but he ain't trying to do anything with you. You, he's got you right where he wants you. You're, you're doing nothing. So, uh, the more you push forward, the more you will experience those attacks. And that's almost a, a proof that you're in the right, heading in the right direction. Uh, but it's it's about recognizing uh, if this works once, it's coming back around. And and this is part of the reason why the Lord allows for those attacks to happen in the first place, because it's a reminder that this is an area that needs work and that we have to learn something, we have to overcome something in order to be better in that. Super quick example, you know, we've had a couple of things happen uh, at the bridge here and there recently that were... You know, just uh, j- the kind of thing that gives you a giant ball of stress and gives you lots of concern and, you know, and a lot of, you know, just bad feelings of like, oh, man, you know, this is a rough neighborhood and things are going on. The world is cold and chaotic and That's cares right. not whether we live or die. That's right. Exactly. And so we have this, uh, this uh, we found ourselves caught up in this mentality of, I just want one week where it's smooth <laughs> sailing. I just got to have one week. That's the exact. I mean, it's 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 uh, the right uh, emotional. I mean, it's reasonable. It yeah, it's, yeah, but that's that's not the prayer. The prayer is supposed to be, Lord, give me the strength to handle whatever comes my way. Yep. And right. eventually, we did. Finally, I don't want to tell you how long it took for us to get to that place, Ugh. but we finally said, okay, just. Whatever nonsense is coming this week. Yeah, I'm not going to ask for smooth sailing. I'm just going to ask for strength. The moment we did that, it was perfectly fine. We did, we did, <laughs> everything was fine. So I think that's it's about recognizing there's a lesson to be learned in there sometimes. Yeah, it's not a Kirk Cameron lesson, but an no, actual no, lesson. That's right. A very important point there. And Jed, I think there's, I'd love to get you to take us out by listening, kind of looking at one more aspect of this is I think uh, Lee and Glenn both did a really good job pointing out these the thoughts that the devil might try to plant in you mm. and, and encourage. I think there are also some some kind of areas of feeling, yes. to go back to the really good points you're making on the dating thing, where it, no matter what he can get you to think, if he can get you to feel a certain way, 
we can probably know that's going to be effective and know that's from him, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'm a great big center, so oh. I, I know a certain amount of this from personal experience. Yeah. Um, I think the devil for me, and I think for most people, his first tier of assault is fear, shame, and guilt. Yeah. Um, that's going to be the thing that he's likely as particularly with Christians, he's, he's going to always start with is cause that'll work 95% of the time. Um, mm-hmm. if and they, they feel kind of holy. Oh yeah. They like it. Yeah. They'll, they'll take that. I mean, at a certain point, if, if I feed you a bit of fear, shame and guilt, you'll play with it all day. And as Glenn points out, you're not doing what God wants you to do anymore. So it's fine. We're done here. Yep. Um, and if you start to run out, I give you something else to feel guilty about. So it's, right. you know, it's pretty good. If I can get you into an emotional place of fear and shame and guilt, I've got you. You know, I mean, you're, you're not going to do anything at that point. So, you know, and again, it's, it's easy enough to re-up So right. from the devil's perspective. Yeah. So I think that's his is tier one because it's easy. People will buy into it readily. It works most of the time. His next tier, and I think it's his favorite, is pride. That dude loves pride. Yeah. Now, here's the funny thing about pride is if you're a particularly astute listener, you might think fear, shame, and guilt is tier one, and then pride is tier two. Well, that almost seems like opposites. It almost, you know, I'm going to feel real bad about myself, but then pride means I feel real good about myself. No, that's not what pride is. Pride can be expressed in three words. I know best. That is pride. You can think you know best about how much you suck. Right. <laughs> you can think you know best about how terrible you are. And you know best on how to fix it as well. You know best about everything. The thing that's most resonant with your feelings about how much you suck, that's the way to fix it. And you know it because you know best. Understand, if you don't have a PhD in something, you do not know best. Guaranteed, even from a human standpoint, you do not know best. And if you have a PhD in something, you don't know everything. You, no, you know, you may know sort of kind of best about one very, very tiny area of life. You know almost nothing about anything else. That's, that's how life works. There's infinite knowledge you don't have. The thing that God really, really wants more than anything else is as we, well, it's certainly very high on the list that he wants for a relationship with him is for us to admit he knows best. Yeah. He knows. He will instruct me. I will follow. That's, that's what he's really... I mean, Jesus said, follow me. The moment that we get on the I know best, it's starting to not be following anymore. Because, uh, Jesus, I'll take your suggestions under advisement. I'm like Jesus' co-captain. Yeah. I'll consider them. Here's what we'll do. We'll, we'll focus group them. We'll workshop right. them. We'll take them to committee. And uh, we'll see what we see. It'll be a vigorous exchange of ideas. Exactly. A bustling marketplace, if you will. It's a brainstorming session. (laughs) It's blue sky thinking, Jesus. There are no bad ideas. All right. What what Jesus wants is for him to actually be able to call the shots, to say, this is the direction I want us to go. This is the thing that I want us to do. This is the way I want us to get there. This is is how I want it to, to be. And if the devil can sell us on the I know best mentality, we won't do any of that stuff. 
Yeah. We, we actually won't even consider it. We'll, we'll just say, I know best. The thing, if you, you, you said in your question, you know, uses the same tactics and whatnot, and how do we recognize when they're being, yeah, how do we recognize when they're being used against us? I'd encourage you this week, just for fun, and it, it, this doesn't make you a bad person when you find the inevitable results, because we all struggle with this. Keep a running log of how often you have thoughts in your brain that originate in the sense, I know best. Just try and keep a running log. I mean, keep like on your, on your phone or a little notepad. Just anytime you have a thought that's basically linked back to, I know best. I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll be the judge of this. I'm the authority of this. If, if you've ever <laughs> stood by the water cooler at work and said, well, I'll tell you how I'd fix it. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. Exactly right. Um, how do we recognize when they're being used against us? That's how you recognize it. <laughs> The, the, the overflow of assumption that you know best about everything all the time, which to be clear, we all struggle with oh, yeah. that. Oh, yeah. That's, that's universal. Pride comes up a lot in the Bible. It applies to <laughs> everybody. That's all really good stuff. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. We're going to take out the song this week. This is an old favorite from the Bridgebox archives. This is a version of the hymn, Be Thou My Vision, by our friend out of Nashville, Zach Hughes. We're going to take out that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Let's say that podcast reminding you that earthquakes are caused by binge-watching your favorite TV show. (laughs) (laughs) Thou my vision O Lord of my heart Not be all else to me Save that thou art Thou my best Lord, oh, by day or by night, waking or sleeping, thy presence, my life. Be thou my wisdom, and thou my true word. I ever with thee, and thou with me, Lord. Thou my great Father, and I thy true Son. Thou in me dwelling, and I with thee one. I heed not, nor man's empty praise. Thou mine inheritance now and always. Thou win, thou only art first in my heart. I king of heaven. My treasure thou art
my victory won. May I reach heaven's joys, oh bright heaven's sun. Heart of my own heart, whatever befall, still be.